0: You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.
1: Good morning and welcome to another edition of NSPS Radio Hour. Glad to have all of our listeners with us today, either live or if you're listening later on. I always appreciate everybody listening to the show. Having a really interesting show today, not to say that we don't always have interesting shows, but uh, I think today is uh, particularly going to be an interesting show for our listeners, uh, and it came about. Maybe Gary, I should let you and Nitty describe how this came about. But it's related to a company called Hero X, um, and I guess Nitty, when when I first realized Hero X was the pronunciation, it made me mm-hmm. think of. Agent X. So so I guess that means that <laughs> Hero X is at this point an anonymous character to be determined later.
2: <laughs> Indeed. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know
1: if, I don't know if that's the the right terminology to use or not but that's the the thing that came to my mind when we were thinking about it was there's a hero out there somewhere for this particular thing and the yeah. idea is to find out who that is.
2: Mhm. Yeah, absolutely. We really do believe that um you know everyone is capable or that there are people capable out there of creating really interesting, creative, um, groundbreaking solutions, and we just don't quite know who they are yet, and everyone has the capability of being um, a hero for um, something, some problem that exists in the world, and so uh, we hope to be able to create that space for them to be able to show up.
1: Right. Oh, so for introductions, I failed to say that, that uh, Nadi Chadhari is the VP for Challenge Success at HeroX. And our listeners will already know who Gary Kent is, because Gary's a frequent listener or a participant on the show, and uh, probably the most well-known speaker on surveying subjects, particularly the ALTA NSPS land title standards throughout the country. So welcome, Niddy and Gary.
3: Thank you. Thanks, Kurt.
1: Um, so maybe a good way to start, Niddy, is for you to give us a little background on the company and how it got started, why it got started, and just the basics.
2: Absolutely. Um, Well, first, thank you so much, Kurt, for having me. I'm really um, excited to share HeroX and what we're up to with your community. Um, HeroX is a spinoff of XPRIZE. um, And for those of you who don't know, aren't familiar with XPRIZE, um, XPRIZE is a nonprofit foundation um, started by a gentleman named Peter Diamandis um, almost about 15 years ago now. Um, and he has since founded um, Singularity University um, and several other organizations as well. And so um, about 15 years ago, Peter, um, was, uh, space is sort of something that's very, very fascinating to him. It's something that um, he's really passionate about. And he'd always wanted to go to space. But as we all know, the astronaut program with NASA is incredibly competitive. Um, and is no longer going on now. And, um, you know, he just didn't have the opportunity to be able to go to space, and he felt that there was something incredibly wrong with that, and he felt that, you know, it's, um, it's, a, it's, an, it's an area that people um, should have the access to. And so he um, developed um, a, quote-unquote, XPRIZE um, that was asking um, innovators around the world to uh, develop a device, a spaceship, a rocket, whatever the case may be, um, to privatize space flight and to be able to send um, private citizens uh, into space. Um, And he developed particular parameters for it, which meant that uh, you had to be able to carry at least three adults um, and land safely and fly again within 14 days. You really had to be able to demonstrate that you could do it twice. Um, And you had to reach 100 kilometers in altitude. And so um, Peter created the prize and then went about, for a couple of years, really looking for the funding for it, um, for a supporter or a champion who would come on board and say that, uh, you know, this is a really interesting breakthrough that we can create for humanity. Um, and the Ansari family stepped forward and they funded the prize and it became the $10 million Ansari X Prize. Um, and it took several years, actually, for, um, for it to be solved. But it was pretty incredible over a period of almost um, seven or eight years, there were eventually 26 teams from seven countries that ended up participating. Um, and those seven teams spent more than $100 million in their own research and development to actually create uh, the, uh, the actual rockets that would take people into space. And eventually it was a company called Scaled Composites, or the team, rather, called Scaled Composites that won uh, the $10 million prize. And so if you're familiar with um, Elon Musk, um, Tesla, he's also started a company called SpaceX. Um, Richard Branson actually bought the technology that came out of the competition, and it's being used currently to develop Virgin Galactic. Um, So it's really helped spur a whole new industry um, that didn't exist um, 10 years ago. And so long story short, um, what happened then is um, XPRIZE has since developed um, several other very large-scale prizes, um, some in the range of $25 million, $30 million. But what they discovered over time is that many companies, mm, communities, organizations were coming to them and saying, well, here's a problem that I'd like to see solved or here's a, co- here's a problem that's important to my company or to my organization and we'd like to see it solved. But unfortunately, it didn't fit within the capacity of what XPRIZE was able to do. Uh, and so HeroX was born. It was incubated within XPRIZE itself. And the idea was to give anyone the platform to be able to launch their own challenge, to be able to say, I have this problem in my community that I'd like for innovators around the world or innovators in my country or innovators in my neighborhood to be able to get involved in and help solve. Um, And so KiroX was created to give people a space, not only those people who recognize areas for a breakthrough in the world, but for those who are also sort of tinkering with solutions um, and trying and experimenting and doing lots of really interesting things to be able to um, showcase those solutions. And so we've created an end-to-end platform that really allows anyone to be able to launch their own challenge um, to help them really think about how do you frame a problem? What does a problem really look like for someone to be able to solve it? Um, And then to engage community um, and get them involved in coming up with a solution. So that's really what we're, we're really all about is we want to be able to create a platform that allows anyone um, to be able to seek a breakthrough and to discover it as well.
1: well I noticed on the website there was some information about funding. And mm-hmm. are, are most of the projects funded through just people who are interested in it or are there bigger sponsors or how, how does that work?
2: Sure. So um, there's a variety of ways that funding can work. Um, one is that A company um, can come and say that, you know, we're interested in running this challenge for an organization um, and say, and we've got the funding. We've got the $50,000 or the $100,000 or the $10,000, and we'll run this competition. We have got the prize funding. So that's one possible way that people walk in with the money itself. Um, Another way is that they'll bring together a coalition of sponsors, um, and that tends to happen when the prize amount is larger. So, for example, with the CHIME National Patient ID Challenge, it's a million-dollar prize. And so there are, um, I believe, a number of partners involved um, who contributed to that million-dollar prize. That was the same in the case of an Interco Gold competition we had that was also a million dollars, so there were several partners that Interco Gold brought together in order to fund the prize. Um, Another option that we also have available on the platform is crowdfunding. So you're able to launch a challenge and say, well, I think this challenge is worth $10,000 to have it solved. Um, and we've got full crowdfunding capabilities, so then you can invite people who also are interested in seeing that problem solved for whom also that you know that solution is important, and they can contribute to the overall prize um, and help you raise the prize amounts, um for the challenge
1: so if someone were going to wanted to participate in helping to fund a project and they ran across mm-hmm. the information about it um, mm-hmm. is there is there an expectation? from the people who provide the fund, that there's something coming to them later, or are they doing this just because they want to see the challenge solved?
2: Sure. No, at this point, they're really just doing it because they'd like to see the challenge solved and because they'd like to see a solution to that problem. Um, Other than sort of seeing the the solution realized and in the world, um, at this point, there's really nothing that they'll receive um, in response. Um, But that may change over time. um, As we've seen with Kickstarter campaigns and Indiegogo campaigns, when a product is developed, um, you know, you actually get the product. Um, so that may develop over time as well on our platform with different competitions.
1: So in terms of once once that happens, everything gets put together and the challenge goes forward, and
2: mm-hmm.
1: what's the determining factor about when it's over or how successful was it or, or the Sure. For lack of a better term, the judging, I guess.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so, you know, every competition is different. I think as you've seen um, – um, and for the listeners as well out there, we're at herox.com, and so the variety of challenges that we've got is fairly vast. Um, you know, we've got um, we have we're a vendor with NASA, so we've got space-related competitions. We've got um, apps and software algorithms. We've got challenges in the space of infrastructure, small businesses, um, uh, healthcare. Uh, we have a community group in San Jose that's looking for innovative ideas to remove. Um, graffiti, um, from their community spaces, so a really big variety of challenges in terms of subject areas and size amounts. So each challenge is really very individual in terms of the timeline that it has, um, you know, how long it is, how long people actually have to participate in a competition, um, to how the judging as well works. Um, competitions have their own criteria in terms of what they're looking for. So really, you know, when I'm asking, when we're asking someone to submit a solution to this competition, we support our challenge sponsors to be really upfront and say this is the particular criteria we're looking for. And so, when you're developing your solution, really pay attention to this because this is how you're going to be scored. Um, and so, in the design process itself, we're working with our challenge sponsors to really think closely about what that criteria is. Um, and then, once submissions, the deadline hits and submissions are in, then judging starts. Um, and, you know, what's fun off of here is that it can happen a couple of different ways. One is that um, there could be a judging panel um, of three to five or seven judges who review all the submissions and are able to review them against the criteria and really select the best solutions. And in a number of our competitions, we also have people, um, we invite the community to actually vote and to be involved in um, uh, reviewing the submissions and really selecting the one that they think is the best. Um, and it's really, really, um, it's a really powerful way to get the community and crowd involved in the process because, one, you really get to see the variety of solutions. Um, the crowd gets to see that, um, and they really get to provide, you know, when we think about the crowd and crowdsourcing, the crowd really gets to provide their own stamp of approval as well on the solution.
1: Yeah, that's a really an interesting concept, and we're a minute away from our next break, so I don't want to get... Mm-hmm. too far into this uh, and maybe we can pick up on this when we come back but let's say for example Gary and I are great op- entrepreneurs and we decide mm-hmm. that this is a really cool thing that we want to do and we want to mm-hmm. put a challenge out there to see who will respond and whether we can get an answer is there some approval system uh, to say yeah go ahead with that one or is it up to the people who are going to present the challenge to have Sort of their backing all in place before they start, or at, I guess I'm just right. just curious about what would. In the, in the motivation for wanting to do a challenge, obviously you have to think about those other factors. You just don't wake up one morning and all of a sudden say, gee, I'm going over there to Hero right. I think I'm going to do a challenge on something. And sure. and so we'll just fire that thing right up and see see what happens. Right. I, I assume right. there's some other process. So mm-hmm. since we're only mm-hmm. 15 seconds or so from the break, maybe mm-hmm. we can think mm-hmm. on that as we're, as we're gone from the break. And, uh, and when we come back, talk about that part of it, because this, this whole process is very uh, intriguing to me. So that's why I'm mm-hmm. so inquisitive, I suppose. But yeah, no, case, I let's yeah, go to break, and we'll be back in, in it, about so. two minutes.
4: Want to know if your Shonsted locator is still under warranty? Go to shonsted.com and click on Warranty Finder in the lower left-hand corner. Enter your six-digit serial number, and it will tell you everything you need to know. Out of warranty? Click on Repair Department. But here's a tip. Before sending it in, pick up a $25 discount by going to Specials and Sales under the Buy Now tab at www.schonstedt.com.
5: Quick Stakes 0387 or go to quickstake.com, that's q u i k s t a k e.com and order your samples ask your surveying supply dealer for quickstakes today
0: did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear all of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes you can listen to your favorite programs on America's com anytime you like.
4: Attention, surveyors. Seanstead announces the Maggie, the next generation magnetic locator the maggie combines the best features of two flagship shonstead products the sensitivity and precision of the ga52 cx and the visual display and single-handed operation of the ga92xt contact your dealer for details or go to www.shonstead.com shonstead the best just got better
0: you're listening to americaswebradio.com the pioneer and leader in chat radio thank you for listening.
1: As we were going to the break, uh, Nidia and I were talking about the, the challenge process, and the premise was that Gary wakes up one morning out in Indiana, and, and he calls me and he says, hey, Kurt, i got this great idea. Um, <laughs> and so if, if we had this great idea and we wanted to pose it as a challenge for solving, um, I guess what's the process? Is there somebody who says sorry, you can't do that one, or, or is there a way to just do it if we have our ducks in line?
2: Sure. So there's actually a couple of ways that we work with um, sponsors. Um, one is that uh, we do have consulting services, and so if a company comes in and says, um, hey, you know, we'd like for you guys to just do everything, um, we'd like for you to design the challenge, um, then we absolutely are, are fully capable and staffed to be able to do that. And we have a process and methodology that we um, walk through with the sponsor themselves So we'd have a conversation with Gary and Kurt and talk to them about what they'd like to achieve at their breakthrough. Um, we brainstorm um, experts that we need to talk to um, and gather more information. We talk about the research and data that we might need to collect in order to really understand the problems and the metrics that we want to um, have achieved um, for the breakthrough solutions that we're looking for. Um, So that process would continue for mm, several weeks, um, and we'd eventually develop the actual guidelines themselves um, and then set up the competition on the website and get it going. Um, But alternatively, um, the way that we really, really enjoy working with sponsors and, with um, again, with someone like you, Jerry, um, and Kurt, is that we would take you through our, quote-unquote, DIY process, our do-it-yourself process. Um, and we have actually a lot of tools, um, a number of different templates and processes to help um, you really do it yourself, um, to understand what it is to frame a problem, to give you the template for, some, you know, how the guidelines work really well for a competition, what do you need to think about um, for running your competition, you know, what are really great ways to market it, um, so we give you templates for creating your own video for your email communications for all of your marketing and outreach materials, um, and to really help you think about how to reach an audience of innovators who may be interested in participating in the competition. Um, And all of those tools are now available on our website in an area called the knowledge base. Um, It's still um, a bit in beta format, um, and we're making them just even more robust and available to people. Um, But that being said, anyone who's looking to launch a challenge, particularly in the DIY realm, is really given... um, a champion internally on our team who guides them through the process. You know, Curtis, you were saying, you know, does somebody get to approve it or give their stamp, you know, to, uh, to say, okay, yes, no, you can go on the website. We don't actually um, do that. We really want um, this to be a very democratized process. But what we will do is really help set you up for success. Um, and so we'll help you with, um, you know, project management tools as well as just best practices for running a challenge. Um, and will guide you through that process so that you feel really prepared for when your challenge page launches that, you know, when you start getting input from innovators that you know what you're doing and that you've really defined your challenge in a great way.
1: So as Gary and I are preparing to do this challenge,
2: mm-hmm. is there
1: some mechanism, and let's say we decide that our challenge is worth
2: $10,000?
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, is there a process to make sure that Gary and I actually have ten thousand dollars.
2: <laughs> sure, yeah. So um, you actually can't. Um, you can anyone actually can go to our website and launch a challenge today. Um, there's you know herox.com. You just click on launch, and there's a series of questions and information that you're asked to put, pull together for your challenge page itself. And you can actually create your challenge page as unpublished, so you can see what it looks like. But in order to actually publish the page, you need to um, demonstrate funds. And so you need to go in and be able to, to offer that you've got the $10,000 from the prize. And if you don't, then it goes into crowdfunding mode, and you say that you're going to be crowdfunding the challenge, and it stays in crowdfunding mode until um, the money is raised. And up until that point, um, solutions cannot be submitted, and the competition actually can't go into challenge mode. So that's where we know that, you know, um, that the prize money is available. Um, and that's also, as I completely understand, right from the innovator point of view, um, you don't want to put anything out there where they where they feel like they've come up with a solution and you don't actually have the prize money, so that's one mechanism. And then you know when we're when we're working with Challenge sponsors directly, um, we also ensure that they've got the prize funding um, in advance of the competition.
1: So is there a, a requirement then? Okay, we have the the funding. We've we've proved we have the funding, and we want to go ahead. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. I don't know enough yet to understand how all the how all the solutions come in, but.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: At some point somebody, either Gary and I or some panel decides, looks at these, at, at all the submittals. Yep. And so it, is there always a winner chosen or is there the option to say, gee, none of this stuff works?
2: No, actually it's a really, really great question. Um, it actually is completely possible to say, um, you know what, um, none of these meet the bar, none of these meet the criteria, and they're just not good enough. And so it is absolutely possible to say that um, there is no winner selected from the competition. And all of the, in all of the sort of template material that we have through the process of um, a competitor registering for a competition, that's included in all the materials to say, hey, um, we, uh, you know, we may not find a solution to this challenge, and so we reserve the right to actually not award a prize. So that's absolutely possible. And to be honest with you, we've had a couple challenges like that where the, you know, the, Challenge was maybe a little bit ahead of its time, and the technology just hasn't caught up yet, and so um, solutions weren't able to be found within the time frame that was set for the challenge, and so a winner was not actually selected.
1: Is there when you mention time frame? Is there a mm-hmm. sort of a a norm for that, or do you does the person does the challenger um, make that determination?
2: Yeah, again, you know, just uh, uh, based on the variety of challenges that we've got and the variety of solutions they're looking for, um, the time frame really does vary um, because some competitions are asking for, um, you know, an idea. They're really just asking for um, give us a five-page document that really outlines the solution that you would produce, um, provide us with potentially some um, CAD drawings or an architectural drawing or a video of what the solution might look like or something like that but it isn't really just an idea. Um, but other competitions are asking for the actual solution, and they're saying actually develop it, create it, um, and ensure that you've tested it in a number of cases, um, and then, we'll, uh, then you submit it, and then we review it. Um, so the timeframe really does vary based on the complexity um, and the technical nature of the challenge. So we have some competitions that have been as short as 30 days and others that will be, um, you know, closer to two years.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure that one about the spaceship didn't happen overnight yeah, it didn't <laughs> so,
2: it didn't it took um I believe it took seven years
1: oh wow well, yeah mhm, so now we've determined that we have prize money and and we have an idea of what we're looking for mhm, but I'm guessing that not every person on the street knows that Hero X exists or that. Yeah. that Gary and I have a challenge. So is there right. is that is that something we then do? Do we reach out, or uh, I guess mm-hmm. maybe you have some way to help us market that somehow?
2: We do, yeah. So we have um, we have a couple of ways that that happens. Um, one is again we offer you know outreach services to clients or to challenge sponsors to really go out there and help think about you know what is the community of people that might be interested in this challenge, um, and so we really think about. Um, directly related, so expertise, industry tied, you know, who fits within it. And then we really think um, beyond that because um, the solution isn't always going to come. Our bet is the solution isn't always going to come from the straight and narrow, those people that you think it's going to come from, from the experts. And instead, we really do think it's going to come from um, folks who are interdisciplinary or even students or, you know, those folks who are kind of tinkering in their backyards or in their garages with different solutions and trying different things. Um, So we have outreach services that support that, um, and alternatively, um, you guys can also take that on as well, and to support you in doing that, we would offer you, you know, a number of different uh, best practices in order to be able to do that, um, and tips and, you know, different tricks on how to do that, how to reach out to people, the emails to send out, things like that. Um, So that would be, you know, part of that process. But beyond that, we also really have um, a really great uh, following on social media, we have over a million people part of our Facebook community, and I think close to 200,000 now on Twitter, um, and growing as well on LinkedIn and Google+. So we would promote your challenge, as we do with all of our challenges, across our social media platform. Um, we write blog posts about our challenges as well and share those across social media, um, and really try and talk about the subject area of the challenge and the problem that it's looking to solve. Um, And then each of the challenges are built with um, challenge updates, so you can send out updates to the community that's following the challenge. So not everyone will choose to be a competitor, but people can also just choose to follow the challenge, which means that they'll get updates, they'll get notifications when things are going on. Um, And so that's also built in, um, and you can post updates to your entire community as they start
1: following your challenge. And I would assume that since we're looking for innovative ideas here and trying to solve a a problem, so to speak. We're not Mm -hmm. necessarily putting people in boxes or saying, gee, I'm sorry, you can't participate, because you never Mm -hmm. know where that great idea is going to come from, right?
2: Exactly. Yeah, exactly, because you never really know. Um, We have this really great story. So um, um, X-Prize has, um, they ran the Wendy Schmidt Oil Cleanup Challenge, Um, and it was a million-dollar challenge, and it was to clean up... um, um, oil after one of the, the BP oil spills. Um, and what was really great about it is that um, one of the finalists um, was actually a tattoo artist. Um, and he heard about the competition on a radio show, on the radio, and he um, what he found is that um, the, the way that ink is drawn up into a needle, for a tattoo needle, he thought that technology... Was sort of the same way that oil could be cleaned and picked up um, from water, and so he actually ended up being a finalist for the competition. Wow. And who would have thought? Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, I guess mm-hmm. you could. You could have had all the experts in the world thinking about that one, and maybe not have come up yeah. with that with yeah. that idea. That's exactly. that's really really good. Well, we're yeah. a little over a minute from the next break, so I don't want to jump into too much. But I'm assuming that mm-hmm. other than what it's going to cost a participant to come up with whatever their answer is there's mm-hmm. no upfront fee to participate no
2: none of our competitions have a fee um, we actually made that decision when we started the company so that um, again in order to make the whole process very accessible to anyone that there would be no fee attached to participating in the competition
1: that's good that's uh, that mm-hmm. I'm sure you probably get a lot more people and and like we mm-hmm. said earlier you don't have to have money to have innovation in your mind. So, mm-hmm. it, it, I think that's a great idea to be able to let people use their creative, their creative nature, or their creative juices, if you will, to to help find problems right. to these, or questions to these uh, these problems that people bring up. Or
5: whether yeah. or
1: not it's a problem yeah. is still a challenge. So, absolutely, It's, exactly. it's like
3: that. It, it's kind of like that old uh, saying that says uh, the the uh, you know the most uh, uh, the best answers in the room don't always come from the smartest people. Uh, yeah. The yeah. best True. answers aren't mm-hmm. always going to come with the well, people with the money. <laughs> uh, we yeah. need to
1: go to our second break here, so let's do that, and we'll be right back from David. But when we, I don't know how long we've been on the air, so I don't know how many people actually heard our conversation about, <laughs> about uh, experts not always having the best answers or uh, just kind of getting caught up in a particular way of thinking about things. Uh, but perspective does, I think, sometimes limit us uh, to go beyond the norm that's in our heads. You know, this is the way we've always done things. And, Gary, how many times have we heard that? Um, oh, yeah. So, um, and I, I'm assuming to some degree, Nitty, that that may manifest itself in some of the competition, is that, and you were mentioning during the break, uh <coughs> something about the, the oil spill and how that innovative idea came from perhaps a, a non-expected source. Is that pretty common, that you kind of get the best ideas from people who are just thinking about the, the overall perspective of a thing but not the specifics of the day-to-day activities that one would normally go through in a particular situation? Yeah, absolutely.
2: It's just that, um, you know, in some cases it's people who um, – you know, are within the field of the competition itself but um, are not uh, working on that particular issue area or that particular area of their industry or in their jobs on a day-to-day basis Um, and they really just sort of see something that's going on or they're tinkering with something um, that's really sort of outside of the scope of their jobs, their day-to-day jobs, you know, someone in their area of expertise or in some cases we end up with folks who are completely outside of that realm whatsoever. Um, and are coming up with um, you know different um, solutions and really sort of have the space to be able to think about something that's really outside of the box.
1: Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And so I don't maybe it's a good time unless I don't know maybe don't let me go too far because there's other things we need to talk about in terms of the you know the basics of how the system works and and that kind of thing, uh, I do want us to talk about the particular challenge that sort of brought us together uh, um, in, in getting to this so Gary or Ney, I don't know if there's maybe something I've left out in the conversation leading up to how we want to talk about this this particular challenge.
3: Well I, I can uh, give a background is that I had a, uh, a call several months back from uh, I guess uh, neededy one of your colleagues, uh, McKenzie, Mm-hmm. Who had wanted to uh talk to me a little bit about uh this challenge and i at the time i didn 't really understand what what you know where all this came from but mm-hmm. uh she sent me some information um and it's it's really it 's in the challenge actually but the the issue related to needing a boundary survey in order to close a a, a, a real estate transaction and uh, and how they can take a lot of time. And, and one of the things that, that at least surveyors will get a chuckle of, that they could be incredibly expensive, uh, some of them can be more than $5,000, which is actually kind of a, a low-cost land title survey. Um, and uh, uh, so the challenge was essentially, is there a better way, is there some way to... Uh, to solve this problem of automating and specifically we want a way to automate the performance of an ALTA survey and so I had had a long conversation with McKinsey about the different things that go into a land title survey and um, um, we kind of I think I helped her understand you know what what it's all about and then uh, anyway I guess a subsequent call I uh, that came—I don't remember from her. I don't remember exactly. Not if go back and check. But then that—that that led us to have this conversation, and uh, uh, so that's how this all came about. So there is a, a challenge out there, and uh, you know we don't know where it came from. It's the AI LTA challenge uh, to uh, automate land title surveys, essentially.
1: When
2: yeah, the- and really sort of. Oh, sorry, Kurt.
3: No, that's Go ahead.
2: I was just going to add that, um, you know, it's really sort of, um, from their perspective from this particular challenge sponsor, they're really interested in thinking about how machine learning and how even potentially artificial intelligence or drones or software, things like that, can help in the automation process and can help um, reduce the time, um, and Gary, as you're saying, the money um, in some cases is much more expensive than $5,000, to reduce um, all of that for um, actually completing the the ALP survey and the boundary survey.
3: Yeah, and my, the, my, the uh, oh, go, go ahead, Kurt, sorry. I was just
1: going to say, I guess my first question is, um, when that challenge comes in, mm-hmm. I'm assuming there's no preconceived notion at that point what the answer might be. It's not like, okay, we, this needs fixing, here's what I think, what other people think. It's really, here's something that we think needs fixing, let's just open it up. That's kind of the way it works, right?
2: Yeah, that would be sort of the general idea. The actual sort of design of the challenge is being um, developed right now. Um, what's on the website is really just sort of framing the problem and saying, "Hey, we see a problem in this area, and we want to we want to develop a challenge that can really help address this problem." So, what what Kurt, you would actually see in the guidelines and what and the actual challenge would look like would say, "Okay, we want to improve um, the the boundary survey, the ALT survey. We want to improve." how long it takes, um, potentially how much it costs, um, um, and a number of other factors, um, the speed at which it's completed, um, the uh, accuracy as well of it being completed, um, all of those pieces. And so what the guidelines would say is that, you know, you have to provide a solution that decreases the amount of normal Alta survey by 50%, and you have to... Um, you know, uh, demonstrate that it's accuracy at a 99% level or things like that. So that's what it would be. That's what the challenge would be asking um, people to do. But it wouldn't say that you have to do it as an app or that you have to do it with a drone or that you have to help with software or you have to do something like that. It would really just say we want to improve the process for the boundary survey and we want to improve the outcome that it creates for people, but we're not going to, it's entirely up to the innovator to come up with what that looks like, as long as it meets those criteria.
1: So, Gary, thoughts?
3: Yeah. Well, I uh, uh, when I had talked to McKinsey, we talked about the the three elements that go into a boundary survey, uh, and and one of them is the research, and we agreed that uh, you know there are. Areas in the country that are just woefully behind in getting their land records online you know scanned and online and mm-hmm. um, and that it, that plays a big part both in the title world and in the survey world and and actually just as importantly as getting them scanned and online. is is having them properly indexed because you can, as any surveyor, any title person knows, you can scan and and get all kind of stuff online. But when it comes to land records, if they're not properly indexed, they might as well go in the trash because you you, you can't search them and find the stuff that you want. So there's that element of it. There is uh, the element of the data gathering. And... uh, and there's been a tremendous amount of innovation gone on there, which it used to be the surveyor went out and you know physically measured things and had a measuring tape out and, and turned the angles and measured distances and all this. And now there's a tremendous amount of innovation done with that, with the aerial mapping, aerial photography, scanning, LIDAR. Uh, now we're getting into UAVs or what people want to call drones. Um, uh, there, there's... Uh, There's a tremendous amount of time savings that has gone, has uh, revolved around that. Not to mention GPS. Uh, The the third element, and the and the piece that becomes uh, difficult to to break through is that boundaries um, are not a function of technology. Uh, We use technology to locate things and to to help us find things that we need but the location of a boundary is actually a function of the legal system. It's actually a function of the law that uh, where a boundary goes is dictated by hundreds of years of common law and so when I find all the evidence which is part of the, of the gathering of data I have to find all the appropriate evidence and then you know dump that into the uh, legal hopper and uh, mm-hmm. spin it around, and it all falls out. Then it doesn't all fall out. I actually, take all that evidence that we have found and fit it as best we can with the law, and come to. A, uh, Gary, I, I hate to a, interrupt,
1: but an an if my clock is right, we're we're due for a break. Um, all right. But... So my my stopwatch doesn't say that, but my clock does assuming that we were on the air when we didn't think we were on the air. So okay. I, I hope David can hear me, and we'll go ahead and start that break now and uh, be back shortly.
4: Attention, surveyors. Seanstead announces the Maggie, the next-generation magnetic locator. The Maggie combines the best features of two flagship Seanstead products: the sensitivity and precision of the GA52CX and the visual display and single-handed operation of the GA92XT. Contact your dealer for details, or go to www.seanstead.com. Seanstead: the best just got better.
0: Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like.
5: Quick Stakes is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not... Get a pen and paper and write down this number, 800-438-0387, or go to QuickState.com. that's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E.com, and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for QuickStakes today. Want to know
4: if your Seanstead locator is still under warranty? Go to Seanstead.com and click on Warranty Finder in the lower left-hand corner. Enter your six-digit serial number, and it will tell you everything you need to know. Out of warranty? Click on Repair Department. But here's a tip. Before sending it in, pick up a $25 discount by going to Specials and Sales under the Buy Now tab at www.schonstedt.com.
0: You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.
1: And we're back on track, we believe, for our last segment, thanks to the audience for their patience, and hopefully um, <clears throat> we've been able to get back where we wanted to be. And, Gary, before we went to the break, you you were talking about the three elements that uh, of what the ALT NSPIS survey is and where there may be opportunities for streamlining and then, of course, getting to boundary determinations being yeah. a whole other thing. So maybe yeah,
3: I'll continue uh, with that yeah as I was thinking there's actually i can I, I suppose four elements, but so we talked about research uh, which could be streamlined uh, by having records more readily available and actually having uh, uh, indexing that you know automated because I could think of some kind of automated searching on a really good indexing system that could tremendously uh, change things both in the title world and in the survey world. The uh, the data gathering, you know, a lot of stuff has been done on that and continues to be done on that. But the but the legal aspect of resolving a boundary, determining where a boundary goes, that's the piece that that I would find difficult to see how that could be automated because that's a that's a thought process of you know what are the pieces of evidence that we have, how do they fit with the law that says uh, you know what. What pieces of evidence are more important than other pieces, and it's always uh it, it, it's um, it's flexible has to be flexible and it uh, adap- has to the law has to adapt to the evidence. The fourth piece though is a, another piece that uh can be automated and it has been a tremendous amount uh, has been automated this way, and that's in the preparation of the of the drawing that needs to be done and there are have there has been a Tremendous amount of work done in software uh, to help us do the calculations and automate the drafting process. Um, and and as Kurt knows, so so the the gathering of data and the preparation of the plat has been a lot of stuff done there. It could probably continue continues to be stuff done. I think the records research stuff could could use a tremendous boost, but the legal aspects of resolving a boundary, to me, that one, uh, that's a difficult one for anybody to to take up because it's a kind of a combination of subjective, objective weighing of evidence against uh, you know uh, boundary law principles and legal principles.
1: And for and Nate, for your for your edification here,
3: mm-hmm. that
1: boundary. Resolution process is not um, there's no standard to it mm-hmm. because sometimes it's really evident from the very beginning <laughs> and other times it's not evident after lots and lots of research and soul searching. So mm-hmm. th- that particular one has a big variable to it. Um, and, and Gary, maybe you expound on that a little bit more. But but basically, what it is, if you know, if you're surveying a project where everything falls into place. Then that can happen relatively quickly, but mm-hmm. there are many times when that isn't the case. So I don't know if you want to talk about it at all, Gary.
3: Yeah, it's just uh, um, all surveyors have run into those where we we get the stuff, we gather it up, and we're sitting in the office, and and we essentially say to ourselves, uh, "I have no idea. I have no idea how this is going to, how we're how I'm going to solve this." You know, yeah. and we work and work and we go back in the field and we gather more information. We look at the, at the evidence more and we, you know, we do research and we go back in the records more and we, and and usually eventually, uh, we come up with something that we're we're happy with. But boy, it is it's uh, it's an it's iterative fun. process, is what it mm-hmm. is a lot of times.
1: You know, Gary, I'm always <laughs> saying that surveyors are detectives, puzzle workers, and mind readers.
3: Mm-hmm. So.
1: Yeah, maybe you and I should start a business teaching people how to be mind readers, and we could re- we could win this prize.
2: Right? Yeah, there you go,
3: there you go. Uh, but you know, I, well, I think- it it is so so that piece is is a difficult piece. But the other pieces, you know, those are those are uh, there's been work done on them, but there's still a lot more work could be done on them. Oh yeah, maybe yeah. you were gonna say something. Yeah.
2: Yeah, no, so I think that's um, all, you know, all, all completely understood, right? There's a complexity to this problem. There isn't, you know, it isn't as easy as sort of, you know, um, as you said, um, Gary, in terms of sort of just uh, addressing a couple of things, there's complexity to um, the survey and um, obviously what you do. And so I think part of what's interesting about this particular challenge, or at least what they've raised out of this, is that um, with the advent of machine learning and artificial intelligence and the movement towards... Um, You know things like IBM Watson and supercomputers being able to read um, vast amounts of data. That's at um, you know, for example, with the Integral Gold Challenge, it was um, it was a company, Integral Gold, purchased two mines in Quebec, and they ended up with um, they were sort of dead mines, quote unquote, that hadn't been mined for several years. Um, And when they bought the mines, they ended up with six terabytes of data. And if you can imagine, that's, that is a lot of data and it came in um, the, um, you know, in, in handwritten maps, in, in papers, in um, Excel files, in PDF documents, and Word documents, in, um, in just pure data and numbers itself and any number of things. Um, And a lot of people who participated in that competition used methodologies of machine learning um, to be able to analyze that data quickly and have machines, quote-unquote, be able to find and solicit and be able to pull the information they needed. So I think what this particular challenge sponsor is pushing the boundaries on, no pun intended, is that um, there's there's a potential for, you know, for machine learning to be able to contribute here. Um, so that's one thing I would just mention, and then um, let to give you time to respond. The other thing that I will just mention as well is that, um, just going back to the Ansari X Prize, um, the, uh, as you can imagine, you know, 15 years ago when Peter wanted to launch this challenge, um, there was no such thing as being able to send you or me um, to space. Like, that's just not what we do. Um, and so there was no regulation around it. And there was no, um, there was, and the SAA said no. They said, they told Peter, no, you're not, you're, you're not going to do this. Um, we're not going to give you the permission to be able to do this. And so Peter being Peter was like, okay, fine. Um, and Russia and Canada said, okay, cool, just come here, do the competition here. And when that happened, then it was like, oh, okay. Then the FAA sort of stepped yeah. up and they were like, all right, yeah. well, let's look at this. And let's um, yeah. figure out and let's really understand, okay, well, where is the legal meeting the regulatory, meeting the innovation, and, and how do we make this work? And it ended up being like, um, if there's someone who is current FAA or ex-FAA who actually joined the judging panel or joined the advisory committee, um, and since then, the regulation and the legal um, um, requirements around all of this stuff have shifted because they've had no choice but to shift it. Um, and now you've got the Experimental Aviation Agency that's handling, you know, now we've got drones and we've got, you know, experimental um, flights going up and things like that. And so they've had to create a whole new realm for how this all works because people are pushing against the legal and regulatory boundaries.
3: Sure. And, and you know, the uh, certainly artificial intelligence could... You know, eventually play a role in some of that in Mm -hmm. in the same way. I mean, some of that's done now. As an example, when there's a jury Mm -hmm. trial, uh, you you know, the attorneys use. I'm pretty sure there's probably software. There's certainly empirical things they do to to -hmm. decide who should be on their jury, and uh, and so there's an element of that that it, it doesn't it doesn't do away with the. Data mm-hmm. gathering. Sometimes the data gathering mm-hmm. is is very complex, of digging holes in, mm-hmm. in unknown places and such as that. But but even some of that has been overcome with ga- ground penetrating radar and such as that. So I think it'll be mm-hmm. real interesting to see what ideas people come up with. And uh, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I I honestly think that uh, that some of the research uh, pieces, if somebody could find the money and, uh, and the impetus to do some really neat things with uh, indexing and searching, um, mm-hmm. that would be a huge boon. But, but it'll be interesting. Uh, there was one thing in the challenge that I think needed to be corrected or pointed out. Uh, mm-hmm. People look at it. The challenge says that um, ALTA licenses surveyors and that's not true. Uh, surveyors are actually licensed by each state and ALTA okay. does not have anything to do with surveyors.
2: Okay. Great. We'll but, make that but, correction. Uh,
3: it's intriguing stuff. I would encourage, I hope people can go out and look look at the challenge and, uh, you know, put their heads to it.
1: And in that statement, Nitty, when he said each state, that means that unless someone holds a license in a particular state as a yeah. surveyor, they can't practice there. So I couldn't take right. my Virginia license to Indiana, for example. I'd have to have a license in Indiana. So. And and a lot of people gotcha. have tons of them. I mean, I know people, you do too, good, it's probably got 20 or more. Um Yeah. Yeah. And so, that but that that is a characteristic, no doubt. But
3: you know, mm-hmm. it's just,
1: this whole thing intrigues me because I'm I'm really kind of eager. I'm not sure if there's a mechanism to keep up with where things are, or you wait till the yeah. end and there's a big reveal at the end. <laughs> but right. but I, I'm really interested in seeing how this progresses, and I'm also really interested in figuring out how what's a, what's a good way for us here at NSPS to. Yeah get the information out because we want to expose the surveying community to this too because that may be be likely where the answers come from. I don't know. Uh, So if we can do that through our newsletter, I'm not sure what we're allowed to do, but we really do want to get the word out about it.
2: Yeah, actually, there are a number of ways that, So, as I was saying, the challenge itself is still being fully developed. This is just sort of a a problem statement and the interest that William Warren has in solving this problem. And so we're in the process of fully developing their challenge and and hopefully getting it out in the next couple of months. Um, And there are a variety of ways that people can engage with it. As I was mentioning before, you can just go to the challenge itself and follow it. Um, And then you can, um, you know, you'll receive notifications about updates and when things are going on with the competition and things like that. You can obviously choose to be a competitor as well um, and actually participate in the competition. Um, We have a forum on the challenge as well, so you can ask questions, um, interact with the other competitors. Um, We also have capabilities for um, individuals to form teams. Um, and to actually have their own team pages as part of the challenge to be able to assign a team captain um, and to have conversations and submit actually something as a team um, so you're not working individually. So, it, um, you know, we put people on a map and you get to see their skills, and so if you're not bringing people that you already know to your team, you can certainly find them within our community as well. Um, so that's all, that's all available for you via the challenge, and it's really fun to be able to follow the challenge and kind of see what's going on. I'm
1: sorry we're running out of time here because mm-hmm. I might have to, have to go here in a minute. But it sounds like the best thing for us to do is to direct people to your site mm-hmm. where they can find the challenge and follow it from there. Is that accurate?
2: Absolutely, yeah. And we can certainly, you know, Kurt, we'll keep you aware of information about the challenge. If you can share it with the community, that would be that would be great. I think they'd find great interest in it. And I'll just say really, really quickly they can, um, you know, we'll stay in touch. Perhaps there's some, some of your folks that would like to be judges or that would like to be advisors to some of the competitors as well, that might be really fun and interesting also.
1: It would be. Yeah, that's excellent. Mm -hmm. Well, I think we're at the witching hour here, or it seems that way according to my clock at least. So (laughs) uh, thank you so much, Nitty, for being with us today. This is going to be an interesting process to follow, and we will stay in touch, and we will help keep our people informed and and drive them to the site so they can perhaps be involved.
0: You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.